attending a star party and other observations on episode 353 of the Actual Astronomy Podcast. I'm Chris and joining me is Sheen. We're amateur astronomers who love looking up the night sky. And this podcast is for everyone who enjoys going out under the stars. So we have a few people who like going out under the stars, but who are also Patreon supporters to thank Shane. Yes. Uh, thank you to our latest Patreon supporters, Levi, Gary, and Robert. And as always, thank you to all of our Patreon supporters for helping keep the show going. We really appreciate it. Excellent. Yeah. Thanks so much, folks. We do really appreciate it. It helps keep the lights off. There okay. we go. Yes. Yeah. Bit of a, Bit of an astronomy joke there. Sorry. <laughs> All right. I So what have you been up to astronomy-wise, Shane? This is a bit of a catch-up. We haven't spoken in 20 days. Yeah, it's been a while. So fill um, me in. Yeah, not a lot. Uh, still continuing on with a lot of solar observing uh, with hate, uh, pretty much all H-alpha. I haven't dragged out the uh, the white filter in a, well, probably in a little while now. And uh, yeah, just really, really enjoying that as always. There's so much detail to see. Um, I've been playing a little bit with that uh, Zeiss Abbey Ortho that I got, that 16 millimeter. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that 16 to like 18, maybe even 20 millimeter just seems like the sweet spot for my uh, little H-Alpha telescope, which is a, um, it's the uh, Coronado SolarMax 40 millimeter uh, double stacked. And these are the H-Alpha filters when Coronado was an independent company and not owned by Mead. And, um, I have it, uh, do you remember the 50 millimeter Borg FL that I have? Oh um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The 71. No, no. The 50. The 50. Oh, the fifth. The, oh yeah. The F10. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. The F10. Yeah. yeah. So it, um, the dew shield just coincidentally is, has got threads on the end of it that match the threads to this H alpha filter. That's <laughs> so nuts. Yeah, I could screw, so I screw these, like the Coronado double stack filters on the front. I put the blocking filter diagonal in, you know, the focuser and away I go. And um, yeah, just really finding that 16 millimeter to be just about perfect. uh, Really, really gives uh, some nice views. Awesome. Yeah. What have you been up to? All kinds of stuff. Not much astronomy, but lots of uh, sort of, uh, you know, in the same orbit as astronomy. So okay. I, I finished the observer's calendar for the year. Oh, nice. Yes. It's very nice to be done. We're, well, I should say we're almost done. We're just going through the drafts now where um, our, my uh, the graphic designer, Michael, he's going through and, and making some small corrections and, and adding, slowly adding some of the stuff in that, uh, that I fixed back in the past few weeks. And then he just sent me a draft just before we were recording. So, um, but no, no Amber ale type drafts yet, but there, there will be one head once this goes to press, uh, in early September here. That is for certain. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of work goes into that. I imagine. Yes. I'm over 500 hours in 500. Yes. 500 hours. Cause so they're, they're, I'm a very particular kind of observer. And I think that a lot of people out there are like me. And when they open up an observer's calendar, they want it to tell them what they can see tonight for the area in which the calendar is, is giving you the details, like North America, for example. Mm-hmm. So I sort of painstakingly go through 
and edit out all the events that cannot be seen from North America, unlike other publications. Other publications just give it to you in UTC. But as mm. far as I know, I'm the only one that goes through and bothers doing that. And it just takes a lot of time. But when you get the observer's calendar from the RESC and you open it up and you see an event, that is something that you can see. If you're in North America, you can see that event. Okay. Okay. Cool. And I just, I just like that. Like I was saying uh, briefly uh, before we record it, I, I do this for a couple of reasons. One, it's just the way that I think things should be done. I'm just particular mm-hmm. that way, mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe a little bit OCD. And also it makes it easier for doing the podcast because what I can do and what I, you know, for, for our next episode, um, it only takes me like 15 or 20 minutes now to make up one of our objects to observe, or I think as, as we may change the title to a calendar of event for that particular month of stuff you can observe, because I can just pull that data out. And I know that stuff that you can see in North America for that period of, of time for that month. So I, I just like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, it sounds like a good approach. That's for sure. Yeah. The other thing is the images. They took a lot of time and I'm going to see if I can get a volunteer uh, next year to to help with the images a little bit more because I'm not an imager and I found that to be, um, it took a lot of time and I, I don't really speak the language. And so I think that there's a bit of lost in translation from, from my side of things because I'm, I'm just not an imager. So mm-hmm. I need to get a little help there. And I think I'm going to see if I can get someone else to help crunch some of the numbers now that I kind of know how that stuff works. Cause I think I'm probably putting in too much time for what it is. Cause I am really, I get a stipend, but I'm just really a volunteer that does this. And then I get some of my costs covered. Like, you know, I'm burning through a computer every three years doing this because it, it's very intensive. Like I need to dedicate a computer for it. Mm. So, you know, they help cover that. But uh, yeah. Yeah. So there was that. And then uh, I had a free evening. So I surprisingly, I, I didn't think I was going to do one, but I wrote an article for the Observer's Handbook uh, from the RESC for 2024 on... The constellation of Orion and send it off to Randall with a bunch of my sketches uh, for him to create his artwork for that uh, constellation. So I'm excited to see what he drums up. Yeah. You've been working on that for a little while, like in terms of the observations and stuff. Am I, am I mistaken or am I right? No, you're, you're right. I, I spent a lot of time doing observations. Uh, They're not really reflected in the article so much. I did do uh, some observations of like Barnard's loop and uh, three of the things that I did were the uh, Barnard's Barnard's loop. I did the uh, uh, IC 2118, which is the witch's head nebulae or nebula. And then the uh, Lambda Rhinus region and the nebula there, SH2-164 or something like that. Uh, The angelfish uh, nebulae, part of the Lambda ring, uh, in, in the Orion molecular cloud complex. And then I, I also did some observations of the B cloud and in, included that in, in my article. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I wish I could have done more. It just, uh, didn't quite pan out. I've made a lot of observations. It seems a lot of observations and sketches that I've been going through, I think I have like eight or 10 sketches of the California nebula. And I didn't think I have done many of the North American nebula as well, but I seem to have six or seven sketches of the North American nebula. I think I was sketching it so late at night, I forgot. Oh, jeez! <laughs> because I kept thinking, I got to sketch that. I got to sketch that. And then this year I was like, 
oh, we've had all this smoke. I don't know if I'm going to get a chance to sketch it. And I was going through all my notes and I was like, yeah, I've, I've got quite a few sketches of that already. <laughs> see. Oh, well, that worked out good then. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see if that gets depressed though. I don't know because we were pretty late. Just uh, everything going on with the observer's calendar taking up so much time and then um the observatory as well as has taken up lots of time but the windows are in the observatory i'm pretty Ooh, excited about that well that's a big advancement so it is. is it all sealed up now no no okay. it's it's got uh at least i would say a month of of day here and day there kind of work by my by my builder he's got real jobs that he has to get to now so he's just giving me a morning or an afternoon like if they run out of supplies on one job they'll they'll mm -hmm. come up here and work for a couple hours kind of things so mm -hmm. uh i asked him this evening i i dropped by his place because he just lives down the road from me here and uh see if he would drop up one of these afternoons in the next couple days i might see him i might not but uh, he's pretty busy these days just to figure out what our end game plan is see when, when you're this is one thing i didn't quite factor in is when you're or not me but when he's cutting holes and putting like some of the finishing touches on it's still generating like a lot of sawdust like really fine dust mm. and because of that uh I, i'm reluctant to put the mount in yet like I, I could put the mount in but i'm reluctant to because it's very very fine dust and there's no way you could you could really seal it that well against that level of dust it's a lot of dust Oh yeah, I would not put any gear in until well after construction is done and you can take some compressed air or something in there to clean it up or a vacuum. I'm not sure what would be yeah. best, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean I'm I don't know. I don't I don't know what I'm gonna do. It's more dusty than I anticipated. Yeah. I, I could go on about that. I'm gonna leave it. It's just part of the construction process, I I guess. I don't know. Maybe I'll just do another coat of paint over everything and just paint that dust right into the building. I don't know. <laughs> I guess this that's is, an option too. Yeah. This is load bearing dust now. Yeah. Let's see. Yeah. So I, I've got most of the paint in. I'm just gonna do the gable ends and I don't know. I gotta find a little bit of masonry white paint to do the cement blocks. And I gotta paint a couple things on the pier, and that's that's it. I may put some epoxy down on the floor. Not epoxy. It's enamel paint. Like it's a, it's some weird new enamel paint they have. I might put that down on the floor just to give it a hard coat. Then put the, uh, putting some of that foam flooring down. Mm, gotta, yep. gotta, gotta put that down. So when you drop your, when you drop your eyepieces, cause I don't drop eye people, when you're in there and you have your eyepieces, Shane, you're going to drop them. And then I, I don't want you to break them. So yeah. Appreciate you thinking about me. Of course. Of course. <laughs> but the big thing I did is I went to the Saskatchewan summer star party or the triple SP, or as my wife calls it. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And I had a great time. It was, it was really a lot of fun. I went to the talks. I got there on Friday, like around 3.30 or 4. And yeah, just hung out for a little while and then uh, checked in and then went up and, you know, uh, talked to everybody on the observing field. And yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. It was really, really cool to see a lot of people that I hadn't seen in a while. And yeah, it was just it was just a blast just seeing people. And the conditions weren't amazing. You know, people are just, oh, what are the conditions like that? There were like we had like not the best conditions. I guess there were better earlier in the week, but on the nights I was there, it only kind of cleared up for my I did a binocular star tour, slash maybe a bit of a comedy routine. 
and Ooh, uh, wow. yeah, can't believe yeah. I missed this. Yeah, it was actually <laughs> so. Yeah, I kind of prepared for it because it was kind of looking like really it was looking very much like probably looks at your window there now. Although you're in the basement, I think. But when I'm looking out my window here, there's no hope in heck that we're going to see this occultation of Antares, which is uh, taking place about now and is going to get uncovered here in, in uh, you know, a couple hours. But uh, anyhow, it was pretty bad conditions. So I was trying to still drum up some interest. So I was going around chatting to people I'm like, well, I kind of worked up a bit of a comedy routine and just like some pretty funny astronomy related bad jokes kind of stuff. And then a lot of people showed up and then it, it did kind of sort of clear. So I was able to do 40, 45 minutes of, uh, of a binocular tour. So I was kind of surprised. Oh, wow. Well, I guess, uh, perseverance paid off. Yeah. Yeah. So it wasn't too bad. It got super cold though. Like it was nine degrees, which doesn't sound super cold, but I was like freezing. It was, uh, yeah, people were getting cold and uh, I don't know. It was just just super chilly. But that day, Saturday was, so we got there on Friday. It was 30 degrees, positive 30 degrees Celsius. Our daytime high on Saturday, 14 degrees Celsius. Yeah. Well, fall is around the corner and you can kind of tell, like, you know, the the heat doesn't stick around as much in the evenings and, and uh, the mornings are a little crisper than, you know, what it was just a few weeks ago even. So, yeah. The there's lots of, there's lots of summer left there's not i'm not I, a few years ago i remember 20 2021 we we're still having 30 degree weather on the last day of october so i'm hoping for those years i like the warmth i like the warmth that was a little chilly though yeah hopefully past. we uh hopefully we get kind of extended summer that would be great yeah. i'll take some clear skies though i can mm. handle a little bit of chilliness i'll take some clear skies we have not had any real decent clear skies and quite some time last night didn't look too too bad but there's still there's a lot of smoke mm. one of those fires is all the fires are far but and i and and thanks have been a lot of people asking me i don't know if like just listeners have been writing me in individually and saying how are the fires there and we're like nowhere near the fires by more than a thousand kilometers i think but for some reason it seems like the smoke is kind of blowing in and then kind of hanging over us or something i don't know well, the predominant winds here are northwesterlies, and it just happens that the fires are north uh, northwest West. of us. So, yeah. you know, a lot of it is just blowing right down because of the common winds around here, and that's just the way it is. Yeah, I couldn't even believe when we went down to Grasslands there a month ago, and we had some really clear skies down there, and I was kind of surprised because it's not it's not that far, and. I was looking around today and this cloud, well, this isn't really cloud over us. I think there's some cloud around, but for the most part, this is smoke and it's very localized. Like it, it only goes out maybe a hundred to 150 or 160 kilometers right around Regina. It's just like, there's like the, the smoke seems to congregate here. It's, it's really frustrating and annoying if you, you can drive out from underneath it, but there's been times where, some people who are much closer to the fires, like up in Edmonton, they were getting better conditions than what we've been, what we've had. Um, and that they're, you know, within hundreds, a couple hundred kilometers or a few hundred kilometers of some of those fires. So it, it kind of is strange that the the smoke kind of wafts down here and then kind of seems to just spin around. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, pretty annoying. Okay, so one of the things that uh, I bought, they had vendors or they have one vendor this year at the triple sp 
and that was the guys from All Star Telescopes. And I looked; there was lots of stuff there I wanted to buy. They had lots of great stuff, actually, pretty surprising. So All Star was owned by I think it was a guy named Ken, wasn't it? I can't remember yes. his last name. Yep. Yeah, you're and, right. Yeah, and and he did a great job. And then these guys bought it. They've taken it up to Edmonton from Airdrie, Alberta. And but I think they've switched the product some. And I got to say, excellent choices. They're carrying some of the really great little Kawa handheld binoculars. Okay. That's like if I was going to buy a pair of binoculars that are handheld for like maybe a little bit more than what like a mass produced binocular is, I would I would get a pair of those. And they had lots of batter click locks for sale. Oh, wow. Nice. All kinds. I almost bought one. Mike bought one instead. Oh, what's uh, which telescope is he using that on? Well, just like any telescope, it's they're the uh, two inch to one and a quarter adapters. Mm, yeah, those are handy. Yeah, I don't have any of those ones. I have ones by Antares that I got super cheap, but these ones are not cheap. They're like they were like one hundred and seventeen Canadian dollars. So that seemed a lot for a one and a quarter inch from a guy who just seems to keep having to buy different things for an observatory that is never ending. <laughs> yeah. You have other demands on your bank yeah. account right now. I did. I did buy one thing though. This is one thing I had to buy because it was just the right opportunity and that, and this is something I decided I was going to buy some time ago. It's a book called the backyard astronomer's guide, fourth edition. I, I have two other copies of it. I have the second edition, I think, either first or second edition, the one with the white cover. And then I have the one with Andromeda on the cover. Mm -hmm. And then there was another one with I think the horse head on the cover that I still want to get because it has some neat charts in there by, um, anyway, has some nice charts in there. But then this one, because uh, Terrence Dickinson, of course, um, is is sort of the, was the primary author for this for all the years it was on and who also wrote Nightwatch. Um, and this one's by Terrence Dickinson and Alan Dyer. And of course, Alan Dyer was there and I know Alan a little bit. And, uh, so I thought, oh, I'm going to buy a copy. So I bought a copy and I thought this is great. I'll go find Alan Dyer. And I turned around and here comes Alan Dyer walked in the tent with one of the other owners of all-star and said, oh yeah, I'm bringing Alan in to sign a few copies. And I said, well, guess what? You can sign my first Alan. <laughs> so he actually tested out his pen on my back page. I said, just, just write, just like put some marks on a back page somewhere. I don't care. This is my copy. We can do what we want with it. So he's like, oh, that's good. And then he kind of scribbled uh, my name and there's guys and such. And yeah, handed it back off to me. So pretty cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, yeah, yeah. That I love the backyard astronomer astronomer's guide. We've talked a little bit about that on previous episodes. That it is really a kind of your like almost your amateur astronomy bible. Like it has just about everything you could really want to know. And I think it's an awesome reference too for somebody new to the hobby because there's uh, a lot of good guides and tips that'll step you through pretty much all facets of of the hobby, whether it's gear or uh, finding an observing site or, you know, just, uh, yeah. like logging your observations. It just goes on and on. Yeah. It's, it's a great text. It's, it's a little bit more gear centric than the night watch, which mm -hmm. is more about the observing of the night sky. I really think it's worthwhile to own both of those books. And, uh, yeah, I guess Ken Hewitt White has been involved in editing the new edition of night watch. So that's mm. exciting too. So, um, have to try to get a copy of that. And I don't know, I don't think Ken Hewitt White travels much. So I'd have to go to BC to get him to sign that, but that'd be cool. He'd be a great guy to have on the show. So would Alan, Alan did a talk 
at the uh, star party. I, I of course attended as did every single other person who was there <laughs> went to Allen's talk. And uh, he was talking about basically photographing the upcoming solar eclipses on uh, the one on upcoming in October. And then the one on uh, the total eclipse in April 8th, uh, the one in October is an annular and the one in April 8th is uh, total solar eclipses, both uh, cutting through the United States and, and the uh, April one cuts through uh, Eastern Canada. But uh I said to Alan, oh, I'm looking forward to your dog. He said, oh, well, it's going to be mostly astro imaging based, but there'll be some nice photos in there. <laughs> You'll enjoy it. I was like, yeah, I'm going to enjoy it. He's just an amazing speaker, really. That I mean, good. Even, even, if, even if somebody didn't even like astronomy, they would enjoy his presentation. And that's how good he is, really. And it really is. He really is like a, a professional speaker. And he's got a, I should have it here. Uh, we should have him on and, and he can promote it. Is He's got a guide for photographing these mm-hmm. eclipses. And uh, and it's $10. So if people are interested in photographing the eclipses, I'm just going to, Alan Dyer Eclipse Photography ebook it's like uh, will it come up um no i'm not finding it that yes amazing sky.com yep. eclipse book yes you can go to amazing sky.com and it's how to photograph the solar eclipse as a guide to capturing the 2023 and 2024 eclipses of the sun and it's a 300 page book available now it's ten dollars and a few cents uh united states currency available in pdf so you can just go to amazingsky.com eclipse book and and people can find it uh there and i and i think from what alan said uh, in his talk is he's got a lot of the stuff from his presentation in that book and a lot of people were asking for it after they saw the presentation not knowing that he was going to sort of promote this at the end of it uh well well worth it i think if anybody's interested anyway yeah that's yeah for sure and if um, if you're not familiar with Alan Dyer, definitely go to his website. Um, he has a, a pretty large gallery of the images that he's taken over many, many years. And uh, Alan is just, uh, you know, he's got to be one of the best uh, astrophotographers out there. Like he just yeah. does some incredible imaging. Yeah. And uh, while you and I don't really get into that part of the hobby, uh, Alan is incredible. And I, I love scrolling through there and, uh, you know, just seeing what he's done recently too. It, uh, yeah. it's just great. And he actually has some photos of grasslands too, when he was down there, which is kind of neat. Yeah, he does. Uh, I was bugging him for years to go down and, and do some. And then I, I think sort of in, in sort of a sideways way, I helped line him up with, uh, doing the shots that are in the, uh, visitor center there at the, uh, wind and sage in Valmarie. But anyway, he he goes and takes all these amazing astro photos, but you know, and, and he sells them and he sells ebooks and that. But um I I've gotten to know him a little bit over the years. And every once in a while, you know, I've I've had cause to uh to need an astro image for, for one thing or another, either to to do public outreach or or for something. And uh uh, I've sometimes written him and said, "Hey, Alan, I know like usually you sell the photos or whatever, but would you mind if? Oh, no, no problem." And he's always just kind of freely uh, loaned me an image, I guess, with proper credit, of course. So I always have have appreciated uh, that on those occasions. So he's he's pretty cool for doing that kind of stuff too. Uh, so I certainly don't mind uh, recommending him to uh, 
to people. And I, and I think he's an excellent writer as well. Like clearly I just bought a book of his. So yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. You know what though? You know what the, you know what the best part of the star party was Shane? No, <laughs> you're supposed to ask me what the best part is. I should have put that in the notes. Mm-hmm. Um, the best part was that uh, I get to meet a few of our listeners. Oh yeah. Awesome. Who so did that you was meet? fun. Uh, I saw Ian again. I had bought my uh, AZEQ6 from Ian back in the spring. So okay. so he was there. Actually, I pulled up, like parked next to where his tent was when I went up for the swap table. And then I also uh, ran into Perry and Dave and uh, shout out to these folks. Uh, those two uh, individuals came up and introduced themselves to me because they heard my voice. And apparently I have a unique voice that sounds very much like the voice that everybody's hearing right now. And so, uh, yeah, it was, it was really cool to, you know, f- learn about their astronomy a little bit and, and uh, how their week was going and, and that sort of thing. And then I, I think at least one of them came up to my, uh, my binocular tour. It was hard to tell who was there because there was a whole slew of people and it was dark, of course. So I couldn't really, I couldn't really tell so much. And, you know, it was just, just a lot of fun. Just, it was so much fun to be around uh, people. I got to say, you know, since the pandemic, uh, I have enjoyed doing doing the podcast with you, of course, and connecting with people electronically. But I do really love that in-person uh, type of connection that that you can make with people and and sit down like one of the uh, one of the folks uh, sat with us for dinner uh, one evening. And so that was that was really nice. You know, it's it, it's just such a such a rich and enjoyable experience uh, to meet listeners as well as to meet other people like Joan Hodgins. She was there um from the east end and uh yeah there's a few other people like that um yeah judy who's a professor emeritus of anthropology that i know uh she was there uh with her eight inch portable i got a got a photo of her in that uh pretty cool scope uh chatted with a guy from he lives out between like edmonton and saskatoon on the on the alberta side somewhere he's built an observatory i've spent a lot of time on his website so uh, it was really cool to just i I, you know walked over and was like hey i think i recognize like your telescope from your observatory and and chat with him about that and the trials and tribulations of building an observatory so so yeah that was just a lot of fun great great to catch up with rick husiak who was there as well yeah it was it was a blast. Hope, hopefully yeah. you can make it next year. Yeah, we'll see. Um, you know, it's in the back, in, in our backyard, so to speak. And, uh, it's always sort of on my list of consideration, but, uh, yeah, we'll just see how the summer plays out. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, we had a couple emails here, had one from, uh, Leonid. He sent, uh, he sent me an, me an email and I didn't reply very quickly because he sent, I think I was away when he sent it. And so I thought I would just include this because he sent this beautiful observing report. Do you mind if I read it? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, we had some uh, other listener emails, but uh, I'm going to read his. Um, Leonid writes, uh, hi there, Chris. Finally, I had some beautiful skies up at uh, St. Jean de Math on Matha on, uh, I guess that was last weekend. And he observed from 9.30 to 12.30 uh, before the clouds rolled in. It's a Bortle 4 sky that uh, that he gathered. I, I think maybe it was a little bit better than that, just according to my own bit. But he's from Montreal, where it's like Bortle 8 to 9. And he was finally able to see M51. And he says, I finally get to see M51 after use of trying in Montreal to no avail. And once I saw it, I understood why. It's faint, but it clearly stood out in my 13 millimeter Nagler. Okay, in the 6.5 millimeter. And uh, 
Hail Strata 2.5x Barlow. There's clearly aperture which figures in. Nonetheless, it was gorgeous. Clearly, I understood why. From SA, it was a nebula without stars, but I clearly saw the two parts with a hint of a bridge between them. That's pretty good for an 80 millimeter telescope. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I looked at M11 and some other nebulae in the area, including the Veil Nebula Eastern End, and I think the North American Nebula as well, but I'm not sure if the areas of darkness that I saw were the nebula or not. I regret not taking my observation stool with me as there was some discomfort in constantly getting into awkward positions. Yeah, you and I have learned that. You always take your observing chair, right? Yeah, that's kind of uh, never leave home without it when I'm going observing <laughs> because yeah. if I don't have it, I probably won't observe nearly as long as I want to. He goes on to say what I found remarkable and what we don't see in the city uh, is, for example, stars like Polaris, Vega are surrounded by multiple pinpoints of light, which are impossible to see in the city. Well, an anecdote from last night, Wednesday night, I guess, was, I guess was, this must have been like during the week or something that he was writing these notes. Wednesday night after work at 1 a.m., I took out my daub for a few quick looks, looking at the ring nebula and the 6.5 millimeter gave me 185 power and the ring was the size of the bean where in my 81 millimeter from a dark sky site and a 24 millimeter panoptic uh, for about 20 minutes, I couldn't find it. Try as I might. Finally, I found it gray, little blue green speck, not much larger than the star. I was looking for a translucent bean in the sky and I was tricked by my own memory of what the object looked like through a larger scope from not long ago. I now understand a bit more why Shane must have had a few difficulties accepting his 80 millimeter William optics. Although the views can be remarkable, they are remarkably different from a 200 millimeter daub. <laughs> That's true. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, they are. Um, you know, I've talked a little bit about that too in the past. Um, that I, in my early days with that 80 mil William optic, I, I just didn't love it because my 12 inch showed so much more. But I was I was trying to use the three inch William optic like I was using my 12 inch daub, and that was just wrong. There's uh, so many things that look far greater in a three inch refractor than they would look in my 12 inch daub. So it was just a matter of picking the right objects. Leonid goes on to say, now I really hope that 30 millimeter. APM UFF is as good as Shane says, as I really enjoyed my 24 millimeter panoptic last night. I used to have a 32 millimeter Celestron Plossil, which I enjoyed in a 90 millimeter scope, but not as much in the daub. I also gather that I will need a few two inch filters. I agree. In terms of the tripod, well, I think that I made a right decision uh, for the platform uh, regarding the space and comfort. I really enjoy the new feet that I picked up and he sent some photos of this too, which is pretty cool. It had some spike feet on it. Um, and, and then he goes on to say, as you can see in the photo, limited sky dampness and dew were a bit of a problem, but thank God for the Telrad and sometimes the eyepiece lenses, if left unattended, I guess they must've been gathering the dew up. I uh, hope you enjoy my report. I loved it. Uh, clear skies, my friend, Leonid. Hmm. Yeah, awesome. All right. And then we had uh, one here from Peter. Did you want to read the one from uh, yeah, Peter? Yeah, sure. So Peter says, hi, Chris and Shane. I especially liked the episode on bino viewing. I had bought a William Optics set some time ago to explore the concept, but I got frustrated over the inability to focus them natively. Uh, Shane's presentation got me encouraged to go back to this. I thought I would share the latest on my dark sky site at, ooh, I don't even know how to say that. Do you, do you know how to say that? Chiricahua. 
Shirakawa Sky Village. There we go. It's pretty famous. Yeah. Got to get down there. Ooh, where is it? I think it's in Do New Mexico. Mexico. Oh, okay. Or Arizona. Okay. Somewhere, Arizona. Somewhere southern U.S. Okay. Pretty sure um, it's Arizona. Nonetheless. Peter goes on to say, I had the concrete pads poured in early May, but I had not been down there since due to our house move in June and the pretty wretched observing conditions we've been having. But last week I got down there again and with the help of one of my new friends from CSV, installed the pier that I had from our old house. Uh, the observing pad is 14 by 14 divided by control joints into seven by seven areas. My original plan was to put the pier in the center of one of these areas so that I could have more than one setup uh, going. Uh, for example, uh, you know, one imaging rig and then another one for visual uh, or allow others to set up as well. But after hearing about Chris's roll off observatory, I decided to put the pier closer to the center of the pad. Then if I decide to build a roll off later, I will have more room to work with. That's a good idea. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, there's still room for one to two more setups. Uh, I never thought I would pursue any hobby with the tenacity that astronomy has instilled in me. Clear skies, Peter. Thanks for that, Peter. I, I love the photo of your rig set up on the pier. That's uh, pretty awesome. I feel like you're make, you make more progress on your projects, Peter, than I do on mine. Um, I don't know why that is. I think he's more practiced. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. That sounds like a, a a nice little setup there, you know, where you can have multiple telescopes going and uh, get some really nice observing going. We've got two or three listeners there, right? Eh? Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it is in Arizona. I don't know why I said New Mexico. I knew it was Arizona. It's just, you know, sort of end of the workday kind of thing. But yeah, mm -hmm. that looks like a, like a super, super great place. Brutal One Skies. And of course, everybody is there for the astronomy. And uh, yeah. Really, really nice. All right. Well, Shane, uh, anything to add to this episode before we conclude? No, that's it, Chris. Well, dear listeners, please subscribe and do us a favor and share the show with other stargazers. You know, you can always reach us with your ideas, observations, or questions to actualastronomy at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the show. If you are interested in more information, would like to contact us, or if you would like to support the podcast, check out our website, actualastronomy.com.